Welcome to the Arrive Podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians. I'm your host, Jeremy Richards, along with fellow U.S. immigration lawyer, Christine Jerusik. Today we are going to be talking about the adjustment of status interview through a spouse to a U.S. citizen. In other words, if you're in the United States, married to a U.S. citizen, and you want to stay here permanently, there's a process through which you can file for a green card for your spouse to stay in the United States. And if you're in the United States, that's done through a process that's called adjustment of status. And that'll take you from whatever status you are here in the United States to a green card and permanent residency in the United States. The The interview process is is pretty streamlined in how they handle it. Almost every every office follows you know similar uh, procedures when they do these interviews. You're, you're going to get an interview notice in the mail when they're ready to schedule you for your in-person interview. And the interview notice will tell you the date, time, and place you're going to show up for your interview. And the, the location of that interview is determined by your actual address, wherever you live. They're going to select the USCIS service center that's closest to you, the field office that would adjudicate that petition. And the U.S. citizen, as well as the spouse, is required to attend that to interview in person. And there there are no exceptions to that. If one of the spouses does not appear for the interview, it will be canceled. If both don't show up, it will definitely be canceled. So you have to show up, both you and your spouse, to this interview and show up in a timely manner and bring everything that is required to to that interview with you. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail as we go along. When you show up to USCIS, you're going to go through security. And they're going to – then you'll go and check in, and they'll take your your – photograph and your fingerprint and when i say yours the foreign spouse they'll take the foreign spouse's photograph and fingerprints that's standard procedure and then typically you sit down in the waiting room until you're called up and an officer will come in and call you for that interview and they will take you back to their office and their office is typically the offices i've seen they're all generally the same it's your typical eight by ten office with a desk in it You'll sit on one side of the desk, the officer will sit on the other. Before you sit down, the officer is going to have both of you swear to tell the truth and that everything that you've disclosed in your application is is truthful. At that point, every officer proceeds a little bit differently, but in general, they'll have you sit down and then they're going to proceed with the interview to verify that the information is accurate and they're going to be adjudicating two different things in these applications. Um, typically, they're going to adjudicate the relationship. In other words, is this a what they call bona fide or real marriage? Did you get married for love or did you get married for immigration purposes just to get a green card? And it's presumed that you did it for a green card. So the burden's on you to prove that you didn't. And then the other thing they're also going to adjudicate is for the foreign spouse... Did that person enter the United States legally? And is that person eligible for the benefit of a green card in the United States? Do they have a immigration background, a criminal background, medical background, or something in their history that precludes them from immigrating to the United States? Those are the two things that they're going to be adjudicating. And when they go through this process, again, every officer is a little bit different. The ones I've been before, what they'll do is they will direct the questions to the spouse 
that they're that they're talking to when they're adjudicating. So for the petition for alien relative part of it, or the I-130 petition with USCIS, they'll typically direct that to the U.S. citizen spouse because that's who files that. And that's those questions are around whether or not the relationship is legitimate. The other part of the interview, they typically direct to the foreign spouse because the foreign spouse is then requesting the green card based on that relationship. So what do you bring to this interview? How do you come prepared for this interview with USCIS? So one of the things you want to bring with you is your interview notice because they're going to check that at security. So that's the first piece of paper you're going to pull out when you get there. And also some photo ID. So security, it's a federal facility. Valid photo ID. Valid photo ID. Usually a passport is the best thing to bring. Or driver's license or something. Yeah. That just reminds me, valid, because I was in Syracuse uh, at an interview and my client was there and I'm sitting with my client and somebody showed up with a a passport or or something that had expired and they had to get the supervisor involved and everybody just to let the person in because they didn't have a valid ID. Right. So that's, I mean, that's the first thing you got to get through security. So make sure you have your ID and your interview notice uh, printed out and and with you there to present. Um, And then the next thing they're going to, I mean, they're going to want the ID again when you get into um, the office. So before they start questioning you, they're going to want to see that photo ID again. So keep it handy. Um, Passports too, right? Because if you traveled on a passport, they're going to want to see your your stamps and your passport. This is one way they're going to verify that you actually entered the U.S. legally because there'll be stamps. Your I-94 card could be in there. Yeah, Um, and if you have received your employment authorization card, you should bring that as well. And if you have a social security number, bring that card as well. That's all your ID you're going to need for this interview. Um, And then the other things you want to bring with you are going to include evidence of your relationship. So once you're done and the interview has been conducted, a lot of times the officer will say, do you have any additional evidence you'd like to add? So if they don't ask you for anything specific, this is your opportunity to add additional evidence to show that the relationship is legitimate and still ongoing. Because a lot of times from the time you file to the time you have an interview, I mean, a year or more could have passed. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of water under the bridge there. They want to see that this relationship is still active, ongoing, and that you're still living together. Yes, and I, ref- I, I refer to that as the gap evidence. Like you said, that gap could be a couple months to a year or more, depending mm-hmm. on how you know backed up that field office is that's adjudicating your, your petition. And especially for a new, new marriage, I think it's even more important. If you show up to this interview and you have three kids and you've been married for 10 years, well, the burden of proof is is met almost immediately by the fact that you've been married 10 years and you have children, right? If you've only been married a few months and we see these ones a lot where they get married, somebody's in a student status or came as a visitor and they want to maintain the status for the spouse. So they get married and file right away. And they may have only been married for a month or two at the time of filing. So the filing could be very, very, slim Mm -hmm. it may not have joint finances most of the time there are no children and very limited proof of that relationship it's enough to get you to interview but it's not enough to get you approved and if you don't supplement like you said with this gap evidence if you don't bring proof that hey since we filed look now we have six months of bank statements we have six months of proof of rent we have six months of 
car insurance, the health insurance. We, we now have a will. All of these things that your typical married couple would have, you would then supplement at the interview and, and bring that to the interview. If you don't, and there's a lot of these officers in Buffalo, if you don't do that, they're going to issue what's called an annoyed, a notice of intent to deny because you don't have sufficient evidence, sufficient Right, you proof. haven't met your, met your burden. So is it important to bring it with you if you have it? Um, because at least if you have it there, you can present it and the officer can make a decision. If you appear at the interview without this evidence, they have to then take an extra step of asking you for it and you do get an opportunity to respond. But keep in mind, if you've attended the interview already and then you decide to create this evidence, so, okay, now we need to open a joint bank account now we need to get a joint credit card. That date of that evidence is going to show that you did this after the fact. Yep. And it's not going to be as um, uh, weighted as heavily as if you had had it from the uh, duration of your relationship. And it could be too little too late at that point. Correct. And as far as evidence goes, some evidence is better than other evidence. They love joint finances, uh, children. Why? Because... Typically, a married couple, you're, you're not going to have children with somebody you, you don't want to spend the rest of your life with. You're not going to commingle funds with somebody yeah. as well. Um, and then I, they look I recently had a client who was very upset about the fact that I was focusing on this joint finances requirement. Um, they hadn't joined their finances initially, and they said, you know, it's so materialistic that the U.S. government just all they want is these, these proof of finances can't they focus on something else? The fact of the matter is financial records are the things that create documents. So um, if you have documentation of other ways that this relationship is legitimate, by all means, it's it's good evidence and it can be used. But it just seems that financial records seem to be the ones that, I mean, financial institutions are the ones that create records. So that's the easiest way to get this evidence. Joint tax returns. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, anything... Yeah. And it does show legitimacy too, right? When you start commingling these things and you and you bring your life together. And that's what they're looking for, that it's bona fide, that it's real. Uh, in real marriages, most couples do share joint finances. Um, they have their names on their, both names on a credit card. They have both names on car insurance. I had one <laughs> recently and everybody in the office makes fun of me. Every time I bring, bring this up, <laughs> but I was, I was so, it, it just got under my skin. I had a client and I advised them of all these things. They had, they had a recent marriage, so they didn't have a ton of in a, evidence at the time of filing. We have a pre-interview meeting with our clients where we prepare them for that and we tell them what to bring. And, you know, at the time of filing, we also advise them of these things that, hey, you need to start collecting this gap evidence. So at the time of interview, you can, you know, supplement and, and bring this additional evidence with you. They didn't bring anything to the interview like they were advised. So officer detective, won't say his name, but that's what we <laughs> call him here in Buffalo. <laughs> of course, officer, officer detective said, uh, you don't have enough. And he issued annoyed, a notice of intent to deny. Then I sat down with him again and said, hey, you need to bring this supplemental evidence. You are going to get denied. I've told you this time and time again, you need this evidence. <laughs> and this is what you just said. You said, <laughs> what? What, you said, 
it's too late at the time to then go create a bank account. Guess right. what they did? They went and created, went and created a bank account. account. And guess what they showed up with? One bank statement. <laughs> One. <laughs> As proof for their marriage. That's all they had. And the rest of it was photographs. And you could you could tell that these were probably staged photographs and affidavits. Right. Guess where those two forms of evidence fall on the list? The absolute lowest. Yeah. The absolute lowest. And your 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 general officer is going to be very good at picking out what is legitimate evidence and what is not. I had a I had a couple um that we didn't represent them with the filing of their case, but they ran into a roadblock because they did not have enough evidence, so they contacted us. Um, and in trying to save the case, they presented me with photos that were clearly taken on the same day. Um, oh, one, of them, <laughs> one of them was a Christmas photo where they had their summer clothes underneath their robes that they had been wearing in the previous summer photos um, and with them in front of a Christmas tree. Um, needless to say, I did not submit those photographs because they looked fraudulent and uh, they probably were. But that's, you know, it's not the time to create evidence when you're approaching your interview. This is something you should be doing throughout the process should be natural, right? These are, should be documents and things that are created because you have a joint life. If you have a real relationship, you're going to have these things. They're going to be readily available. Um, yes, and it's always a surprise to to the officer if you are under the age of uh, 35 and you don't have a large uh, photographic evidence of your relationship. So although photographs are not considered you know, heavily weighted evidence. If you don't have it and you're a millennial or you're younger than that. Where's your selfie? (laughs) Right. And you're carrying a cell phone. There's, you know, a chance that the officer is going to consider this to be somewhat fraudulent if you don't have a photographic record of your relationship. I always love photos when we get those and you look through them. You can tell which ones are real and which ones aren't very quickly. And I know the officers can too. When every photo is a selfie of you and your spouse. Yeah. That's it. How, Although, I don't dur- know about you, know you but During I don't COVID, have a thousand selfies of me. I've seen ones where oh, the I, only thing to me was selfies. Nothing. No no buildings in the background. You know, no Niagara Falls. It's just selfies. But you know what? During COVID, I did file a few cases where that was, you know, in addition to some financial evidence, they didn't go anywhere. So that then they didn't see anybody. So that was all the photos they had. Yeah. So you got to be careful there in that evidence that you're submitting and make sure you Make sure you document your relationship. I think that's one of the keys is when you file the case between then and the time, create a file, right? Put a file somewhere that you call immigration. And as you get notices, mail, correspondence that has both your names on it, things like that, just stick it in that envelope. So then by the time you get to your interview, you have a file. It's ready. Mm-hmm. Just bring it to the interview. And you'll satisfy that requirement when that, that officer asks you. Um, also a medical exam if you didn't submit it in the beginning you'll need to bring that with you to the interview and one of the things we've been um, getting calls about a lot lately is the new requirement with those medicals to get the covid vaccination uh it's yeah, an effective october 1st 2021 um, uscis is going to require applicants for green cards to have been vaccinated for covid19 so um that will be part of the medical exam. They'll want to check your vaccination record. So if you have the vaccination, keep that record and present it to the doctor when you get your medical exam. Uh, and they'll be able to note it on your form work and then it won't be an issue. And it, note that that is just for immigrants 
So people getting a green card, immigrating to the United States, it's not for visitors or people on work visas. Um, but if you are immigrating and getting that green card, you, you need to have that. Um, in addition, one thing we 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 tell our clients, both of us tell our clients prior to these interviews, is make sure that you watch your behavior in the interview because they look at your behavior as well. For example, reaching over to your spouse, putting your arm around them, grabbing their hand, things like that where sometimes people, I guess, uh, try to go the extra mile to show that there's a relationship. But in fact, it can have an adverse effect. It can look controlling um, over a spouse, maybe you're squeezing their hand or something. To or manufactured as well. Or you manufactured. Know, like you're just trying to put on a good show for the officer. So um, I've heard it from an officer before. I, I was, did experience a relationship that they caught as fraudulent. And uh, they were pretty good at hiding it from me. But the officer had some inside intelligence on this couple and determined that they were a fraudulent relationship. Um, and I asked him what tipped them off in the interview. And he said, uh, when he reached out and grabbed her hand, uh, you know, most normal couples aren't holding hands in an immigration interview. If you're a legitimate married couple, that's something that they would see as unusual. Yeah. So just watch your general behavior. It's not, if you're really married and this is a real marriage, you have nothing to worry about. I've seen couples argue. I mean, real married couples argue in the interview when somebody can't find a document or something. I mean, I you, you just be natural. Yeah, be natural. <laughs> be yourselves. Um, there's no need to put on a show for the officer, I think, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, be yourself, I think, is the best advice, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we're human. You're not perfect. You're, you don't need to present this perfect marriage. And they know you're nervous. They understand. But uh, just act the way you would normally act in an interview with your spouse. So you're not trying to prove your relationship. <laughs> and the one that you just brought up, it led to what's called a Stokes interview, right? It did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is a Stokes interview? And it's so a Stokes interview is where they separate the couples and they will interview you separately. Right. So normally these interviews are conducted in a room with the husband and wife sitting side by side at the desk. Um, if there's something that comes up in the interview or the officer um, determines for any reason that they want to speak to them in each party to the couple individually, they can have one couple wait outside of the office and they'll ask singular questions to the remaining spouse. If you have an attorney, that attorney will stay in the room with the spouse that, that's being questioned at the time. Um, and these questions are interesting because um, they're trying to really determine whether or not what you're, you're saying and the evidence you have is real. So um, some of these interviews, what they'll do is they'll ask you similar questions. Yeah, that's the most so common. For, yeah, so for example, like what not, color... not crazy questions either. No, like what color is the walls of your bedroom? If you're living together, you guys are going to know that, right? And they want to see that you have the same answer. What did you have for dinner last night? I, I, I was in one of these interviews and that's what they asked. Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> and this is where it went south, this interview. One spouse said, we had, I think the, she... The one of them said steak mm -hmm. in something. And the other one said, oh, we didn't have dinner together. I was at work. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. And the, the, they are not trick questions. And you see a lot of interviews, or a lot of interviews, a lot of movies where they try to portray this. And the, the movies aren't really accurate as to what really happens. You see, you see couples memorizing questions, right? And 
so that they both know the answers to everything. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite color? Uh, things like that. Well, the typical married couple doesn't even know the answers to all of that. <laughs> One of the ones they ask, and it always throws me for a loop, is what did you, what did, they'll, they'll look at back whatever the most recent holiday was and say, what did you guys do to celebrate the 4th of July? Oh, yeah. Or what did you do to celebrate Christmas or some holiday that's a prevalent holiday that most people celebrate to see how you respond and make sure you both celebrated the same way. And believe it or not, the answers I've seen in these interviews don't always match, uh, which is a huge red flag. One of the other ones I had was who proposed to who and how did they do it? Yeah. This is where if that answer is not similar, you know, there's a problem. Yeah. One of them answered, oh, we were at Niagara Falls and he got down on one knee and proposed to me. Then then he came in and said, oh, we were at her friend's apartment and I proposed I, I proposed in the living room. Yeah. Red that's flag. two different stories. Another so. one was they had a kid together and well, not a kid together. They had a a kid from a previous relationship that, that lived with them and asked the one spouse, so where does so-and-so live? And the spouse said, oh, he lives with us. <laughs> the next spouse comes in, where does so-and-so live? Oh, he lives with my aunt. <laughs> so yeah, the question, they're not stories. trick questions. Right. They're straightforward questions. That, like you said, color of the walls in your bedroom or who gets up first in the morning? Who goes to work first? What I've had... Um what day is garbage day at your apartment? Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Because if you're living together, you're going to know when when's garbage day. Somebody's taking it out, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So these interviews, and I would say a Stokes interview only happens probably 5% of the time. The majority of the time a Stokes interview doesn't happen, like you said. Like they have to have a good reason to want to go to the trouble of separating you and go through this series of questions because it extends the timing of the interview and it puts a, an extra burden on the officer. So they don't necessarily want to go there. Um, but if you give them reason to, they will not hesitate and they will separate you and go through that question. Um, and if it happens, you know, the best thing to do is just um, answer each question honestly. Um, don't make up answers. Don't make up answers. If you don't know, say that you don't know. Yeah. Because, you know, that it's you make worse up an answer, for you to it's say on the record. I think the colors of our bedroom are yellow when they're really brown. Um, you know, that's going to go against you. But if you say, I can't really remember right now, I mean, it looks bad, but it's not as bad as saying yellow. Yeah. And be honest, right? Some people aren't good with dates mm. and you don't know the exact date. Well, don't guess. Yeah, if you don't no know guessing. it. Say, you know what? I really don't know the date. I'm bad, but this is what happened. Right. Or it was in, I know it's in May, but I don't know what day. Right? Yeah, it was like, in the winter because there was snow on the ground. <laughs> right. So stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Tell the truth. And people want to have answers to everything. And I see that. And people just come up with an answer because they feel like they have to answer it. Well, answer it. But the answer may be, I don't recall. You know, I don't know. That is a fine answer. And whenever somebody asks me what bus my kids go on, mm-hmm. guess what I say? I have no clue. Ask my, ask my wife. I don't know what bus and number they're on. And if you think that there's a language barrier... So um, a lot of times people don't speak English as a first language and these officers can be somewhat unforgiving with that because they have their, you know, questions that they need to get through. And if one party's not understanding it and able to answer the questions, it can become frustrating in the interview. So bring your interpreter, have somebody there to interpret 
Um, yeah, you so should that, not be interpreting for your spouse. They right. don't like that. Yeah. So make sure that you have one available to you during the interview. Um, and that's to, another red flag to make sure too. That everything goes smoothly. If you don't speak the same language, so that's that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Someone one speaks, and I, and I had this example. One speaks Vietnamese, and one speaks English, and they don't speak each other's language. How do you communicate? This couple said, oh, and they held up their phones, Google Translate. And the officer, you could tell the officer was like, oh, my. And guess what <laughs> that led to? A Stokes interview. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are things like that that they will look at immediately, and and they are going to split you up. Um, cultural differences, age differences, language barriers, things like that can be a red flag. So if you have a legitimate relationship, we're not saying that, People with age gaps don't have real relationships. People with language barriers don't have, you know, real relationships. But if those things do exist in your relationship, you better be extra prepared because they will scrutinize your relationship more than they would individuals that are from the same background, Background, same language, you know, relatively close in age. Those ones are going to receive less scrutiny than, than individuals that have these these things that are not in common. So in general, these interviews follow, I would say, the same pattern. They're going to look for what they call bona fides, make sure that these relationships are real. And they'll go to whatever means they need to to determine that, whether it's a simple interview and your evidence is right there in front of them and they can determine it quickly. Some of these interviews are 10 minutes long at -hmm. the most. And the officer says, you know what, I've already reviewed your file. Everything looks amazing. I can tell you guys are real. Look, you have a, this was the one I just had last You week. have a child. Look, yeah. you brought your kid with me. How am I going to question your relationship? Yeah. <laughs> so I just need to answer these, ask you these questions and then we'll get this over with. Yeah. And a lot of those questions they're asking are verifying the information you put on your form. So one good thing to do before you go to the interview is to review your form and remember that the answers that you gave. Um, and if anything's changed, this is your opportunity to make that change to the form and make them accurate. So if there's a typo on there, or a birth date wrong, or something's happened since you filed, like you mm-hmm. got arrested or <laughs> something like that, this is your opportunity to say, yes, this answer has changed. I have been arrested. Um, be honest. There's usually ways to you know clear things up uh, if something did go wrong. But the worst thing you could do is to say, yeah, no, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And then they find out that it has. And like, like we said, some of these officers are like detectives. They find out things about people that we didn't even information that people themselves didn't even know existed out there on them. So yeah. And don't be alarmed if there is something that needs to be corrected. It's, it's not that big of a deal. If a date was off a little and you can correct it in the interview, if Mm -hmm. an address is wrong, you can correct it in the interview. Uh, Those things aren't considered material unless you're doing it uh, to hide something um, or you don't disclose it and try to correct it. And then they catch you. Uh, with wrong information. Yeah, be careful like because, deception. you know, there's, there's ways to tell when they, when they ask you something a couple times, yeah. um, there's a good chance. Are you that sure you've never been arrested? Right. Oh, no, never. There's Are you sure? There's a good chance there's some information, contradictory information in their possession. So really think hard. If they ask you a question twice, think hard about that answer and make sure if you if it's time to come clean, it's time to, you know, that's, this is the point where you would say, oh, yeah, actually I was, and I need to change that answer. I did. I forgot about it. That's why I didn't disclose it, but I'm telling you all about it now. Yeah. Yeah, don't let them, don't let them catch you. You, you, 
you you're better off. Be. Yeah, you're better off owning up to it than than waiting for them to to draw it out because that could lead to a denial. Yeah, and if and if there is something with your case or your situation that that complicates it, um, you should definitely work with an attorney. Um, in my opinion, with these types of cases, you always should mm-hmm. uh, because they're complicated. And there's so many forms that you file and um, evidence that needs to be submitted to support it, to, sh- to tell a story. That's what you're doing. You're telling a story. Um, and they're also going to do, and we didn't talk about this, but they're going to do financial verification and things like that as well. And you need to make sure all that evidence is there to support it. Otherwise, they won't be able to prove your case. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already, please subscribe where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Give us a thumbs up and a five-star rating. And most importantly, tune in next time to the Arrive podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians.